Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Kim, welcome. How are you? Mike, I don't know how many times I've been on with you. Many, many, and I've yes. loved every one of them. I don't know that I ever foresaw joining you on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, my friend, but I'm happy to be here. Yes, <laughs> it's you great. Are doing you know, it's, it's weird, but it's great. You know, they asked me if I, you know, they, they, they've asked me to fill in during these times where yeah. the people aren't working, and they called me and said, you don't want to work Memorial Day weekend. And I said, why not? What else? I said, you know, I, I can't play golf every day. So I said, I'll work. I said, right. you know, and they were like, what are you, crazy? You're going to work yep. on Memorial Day Sunday? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So, I, I, I you know, I, surprised. I, 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 everyone, I everyone was surprised. Everyone was surprised. And I said, well, you know, I probably have never done it before. But I, I do remember one year we went to Chicago for the, uh, for the playoffs when they were playing basketball over the Memorial Day weekend. We did that one year, many, many years ago back in the 90s. But other than that, I don't remember ever working over the Memorial Day weekend. But this is a little different anyway. You know, we haven't even opened up yet, as right. you know. Right. And I thought this week stores would be open, but I'm gathering that they're still not even open as of Wednesday. You still can only call up and have them come out and hand your package. You still can't even go yeah. in the stores this week. So we're not even there yet. So we still got a ways to go. Yeah, we got to get there. And Mike, you mentioned 90s basketball. And I'll tell you, the, the one thing, many things that I enjoyed about the last dance, the Michael Jordan stuff, but watching 90s basketball reminded me, first of all, I grew up watching, you know, some 80s and certainly 90s NBA Man, that was a whole different game, Mike, than we see now, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, please. The physicality know, it, it, was unbelievable. You can't even compare, but that was a great reminder, I thought. Yeah. Well, you know, when Riley came to the team, yep. the year before, the Knicks had been embarrassed by the Bulls. And uh, first thing Riley told the team was, they'd come down the lane. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's Jordan, Pippen, whoever it is, Grant, throw them in the stands. Throw them right. in the stands. I mean, let them feel it. Throw them in the stands. That's what the Pistons did to them. Go in, and the Knicks would go in there, and they'd throw them in the stands. I mean, that was right. basically it. That's how they played. And the Heat series and the Pacers series, they were so physical. It was great in those days. I know maybe people think, oh, what was great about the guys shooting 30%? A, you felt like you earned it. The final score might have been 79-78, but it was a war. That's what yeah. it was. It was great fun. I loved that basketball. I really did. I thought it was great. And they focused a lot on those jazz series, and I, I get that. You know, I understand those were the finals, but I'll tell you, the Pacers and the Pistons, especially oh. the Pistons. I mean, you know, say what you want about Jordan, and, you know, it's predictable. People now are mad at him. You know, all of that stuff, and whatever with that stuff. But the on-the-court Man, you, you cannot not give those guys 
every bit of credit they deserve for that era. Because, you know, these days, I mean, I, I do want to see the NBA again, by the way, very quickly, if we could. But it's just not, it's not that. That was so, it was like football games on a basketball yeah, court. When you no question. Back. And the anyway. only team they feared yep. was were the Pacers. That's the yeah. only team they, the only team they, they never feared the Knicks. Because they didn't have a second scorer. The only team they ever feared were the Pacers, and those Pacers teams were good. Yeah. They were really good, and they and had I some great games with those teams. I do think there were series with the Pistons. Oh, early on, the Pistons yeah, owned them. On. Yeah, well, yeah, they owned them. Oh, yeah, they owned them. Once they had to beat the, the beating the Pistons was the most important thing that ever happened to them. That was it. They had to get past the Pistons, and when they finally got past the Pistons, and the Pistons walked off the court, it was never a rivalry again. But until then, the Pistons owned them. I mean, they used to kill them. I mean, they beat the heck out of them. And even the guys, even the days when X Man and and Mason, those guys in Oakley, they would. I mean, they would slaughter people. It was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, they would hammer people to the ground. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Riley teams were ferocious. I mean, they were unbelievably tough. I mean, the, the, and, and it was great. I can't even explain to people now how exciting the garden was in those days. Right. Uh, being I at bet. the garden was like you didn't want to ever miss it. It was Friday night. It was Sunday in the spring. Every Friday night, every Sunday, you, there was a great game being played in those buildings. It was unbelievable. It really was. You know, one thing, uh, we talk a lot about all these different sports here, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone around here understands what is going on on the big college campuses with these programs and how what a state of flux they're in and how much money we're talking about. Yep. You understand Penn State as a perfect example, mm-hmm. a place where they're used to drawing 95 to 100,000 people for a game. Uh, and the whole and, and having the most rabid, I mean, I, I've come to the conclusion, I know a lot of people here who we know and my wife knows who are Penn State grads, and they are the most loyal, they still go back every week, they're the most wow. loyal people yeah. I've ever met. I never saw a fan base in my life. I thought Boston College was bad. The Penn State people are insane. I mean, they, they, they never don't go back. They love yeah. that place. So what would it be like to have a spring with no, uh, a fall with no football? Well, you almost just hit it, Mike. It was weird not to have a spring football game. I had on my, my little calendar on my computer, you know, blue-white game. You know, I had put it on there ages ago because I, I like to go back when I can. My best friends still live in State College. And, you know, when that came up on my, my calendar in the middle of April, you know, obviously that didn't happen. I, I think the fall, uh, I, I, I think for, for all of us, if we're still in a place where there's no college football, yeah, I mean, I, I do really worry for where we are, first and foremost. But it would be, it would be sad. It, it's such a part of, you know, again, other schools as well, of course. But you asked me about my alma mater. Yeah, which so is one of the biggest, yes. We grew up watching yeah. and, and, and waiting for and couldn't wait for the season. And then ultimately the bowl game, no matter what bowl game it ended up being, you know, and everything. So it's, it's just it's part of, of who we are. And, and I really hope it – I truly hope it can continue. I have been – Mike, and I'm going to try to say this delicately because I don't want it to be misinterpreted, and I'm not talking about Penn State or the colleges at this moment, really, but a couple of the decisions by some politicians lately have also indicated, by the way, that they realize how vital some of these sports are because they've kind of backtracked a little bit or they've kind of been a little bit more open uh, when you talk about sports and the money they bring and everything, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, You want us all to be safe, of course, but... You, you know, money talks, and, and I think it's going to be to the detriment of not only, you know, think about it this way, Mike, not only would college football suffer 
greatly if it's not, you know, held at most campuses this fall. It's the other sports as well. So oh, they all get hurt. Absolutely. Yes. You know, football ends up funding. You know, you know we all want to see the, the other sports programs for young men and young women, you know, to succeed and to at least be viable on campus. You know, whether they're national championship contenders or not, but be viable. You're going to see programs have to go away, I, I fear, if, if that would be, you know, a casualty of all of this. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully the it's, average, you know, we're all the, good. The average super program, which you would call the 62 schools or four schools, whatever it is that make up the Mm -hmm. the Power Five, they average $62 million a year in $62 million a year in revenue. $62 million to the athletic program. It funds everything. It funds. Then you take out that they didn't get their NCAA tournament money last year. Right. On top of that, and that funds all the smaller programs that don't play football. Right. Those programs have no money now. I mean, right. they don't even have. They can't even send their coaches out recruiting or anything because they, they they can't do anything right now. Well, and they can't. Yep. And it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, right. it's the, the amount of money, yes. the impact on all these level colleges is dramatic. It really yes. is. Well, and you think, Mike, about the collateral damage. You know, way back in the day, you know, I was a waitress, and you looked very much forward to football weekend. Oh, I'm sure. I was covering Penn State, but I would work, for instance, on Friday nights because I wouldn't have the high school football responsibilities that my colleagues did. So, you know, it it, it trickles down to every aspect of an economy in these college um, campuses and, and, and beyond college campuses. So, yes, I really hope... You know, this is a big weekend for us, I think, in some ways. And, you know, I I hope that as we continue, there's more good news uh, to come, I hope. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, Baker, did you get to know Baker last year at all? Uh, Were you surprised by this whole Baker thing, of which we still don't know what the real story is? I mean, did you – were you surprised? I mean, not that you weren't surprised, but, I mean, what did you you notice of Baker last year? Yeah, Mike, I – it, it is very bizarre, especially in today's age when I feel like we know so much more. You know, back in the day, someone got into trouble. You really had to dig and, you know, you had to kind of do some fact-finding on your own and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not as much like that anymore. I, I think it's a bizarre situation. Oh, very. I mean, because the five people that, that, that swore out the complaints all changed their minds. Exactly. Exactly. And this idea that it was either... You know, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I believe Paul Schwartz in the New York Post has talked to a local attorney about him a lot. Um, you know, he was either playing Madden, you know, or he was holding a semi-automatic. Right, I mean, well, it's they, not much know, in between. There's yeah. a lot of gray area there. And I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm, gra- I'm laughing because of the absurdity of that statement. I mean, and that's what we're being led to believe. One side is the, the law enforcement side is telling us it's a much more serious situation, and then we have a local attorney saying he was playing Madden. I mean, my, my nephews play Madden all day. You know, I, I, I mean, Madden's Madden. So I, I don't know. I, I will say this, Mike, and, and it's not really a second guess, even though I don't talk about this stuff a whole lot. Listen, DeAndre Baker did not have a good rookie season on the field or off. And it was not a secret in that locker room. And I wasn't at the Giants a whole lot last year. I mean, I really wasn't, unfortunately, for NFL Network. By a certain point in the season, we follow, you know, winning teams and playoff teams and that kind of stuff. So, unfortunately, I wasn't with Jets or Giants very much uh, last year. But in that locker room, there was a lot of eye-rolling, a lot of frustration from veterans who simply couldn't reach 
DeAndre Baker. That was my impression. Gotcha. So you, have, you have guys like a Michael Thomas, the safety, uh, Antoine Bethea, who has had a great career, by the way. You know, folks around here may or may not realize that. Antoine Bethea has been a very good player. Now, he's sure really at the tail end, but, but highly respected. And, you know, and I think probably you could put um, Alec Ogletree to, you know, to a large degree in that category as well. I think they had trouble reaching some of the younger players, and I know Baker certainly was at the top of that list. Um, I, you know, at one point, Mike, it was more than midway through the season, he told reporters you know, he needed to study the playbook more. You know, I guess you like the admission, but my goodness, you know, the season's more than halfway old. You know? Yeah, you're a first-round pick, and they're paying yeah. you $10 million. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit rough. So, you know, I was surprised at the end of the season. I did ask Dave Gettleman at his press conference, at a press conference, um, you know, about sort of the issues in the locker room, and his response to me was it was just Janoris. Well, A, it was not just Janoris. And by the way, Janoris has found a, sec- uh, you know, a contract yeah. with a pretty good team in the Saints. Absolutely. So sometimes I think, Mike, and I, this is a bit of a tangent and I apologize, but sometimes I think we ask of someone what he or she is just not built to do. Janoris Jenkins is not necessarily built to be a mentor. But you know what? He's been a pretty good corner. Been a good player. And a good enough corner that Sean Payton, who I trust every day of the week with football decisions, um, you know, wants him on his team. So I do think that there has to be a little bit of that kind of introspection going on when you think about, you know, we empower Janoris to be a mentor. That isn't necessarily something he even wants to do or would be good at. Let him be our quote unquote shutdown corner, and I know that has some issues, but our quote unquote, you know, because we've got some uh, other veterans who can help lead these young players. So that's my two cents on, on that kind of bigger picture. Now, the other thing uh, that is at least positive and you'd like to see it happen is you hear really good things about Daniel Jones. Yeah. Now, I know they want everything to be really positive, but you hear guys who don't have to say guy, nice things about him, how hard he works, yes. how well he takes instruction, how much he wants to get better. That's, if you're a Giant fan, you like hearing that because he showed some ability last year. He showed more physical ability than we thought. He threw the ball well. Uh, he has a terrible fumbling problem, which has to change. I mean, has to change. Uh, and he says he can change it, but he's got to change it. But it sounds like everything you want to hear, you hear. He's out there working late at night. He's out there calling up receivers, wanting them to throw. He wants to do... So you, it, it sounds like you're hearing good things about him. Yeah, and you did very early on last year, Mike, and even like after he started, which would have been week three, of course, you know, you kind of double back with some players in that locker room who, you know, I remember defensive players telling me, well, he was impressive to us from our first OTA because they could tell the way, you know, he threw the ball. You know, the one thing, and I know that you know this, Mike, players always know. Oh, they know right away. I don't care if it's about, if you want to go back to steroid era in baseball. They always know. If you want to go to anything in the world, playoff, or players always get it when it yep. comes to evaluating their peers. Yep. They may not tell us, you know, and that's their prerogative. They always know who's real, they who's not. Know, and they, they like they him yep. literally from May forward. And that, I thought, was a very good sign for Daniel Jones. Yeah, and I thought, hey, A's got more foot speed than we thought he did. Uh, yeah. He's got more escapability, at least than I thought he did. Yeah. And he threw, he threw the ball with authority. I don't think there's any question the fumbling and his, aware, his pocket awareness yeah. and his fumbling problem have got to get radically yeah. better because that will kill his career. Now, listen, 
Kurt Warner had a Hall of Fame career, yeah. and he was a fumbler. Yeah. But it wasn't as pronounced as this. This this was really bad. It was bad. It, he had some bad years, which he, you know, I, I talked to him about that, and he said, listen, I, I, I never got great at it. I got okay. Some guys aren't great at it, but it's got to get to a certain level. Right yeah. now, he has got to get more aware in that pocket and just stop fumbling the ball. Well, Mike, and I know that you know this because you've talked to Kurt just as I have. Kurt thinks that naturally – Daniel Jones is just going to improve in that area. And then you throw in the idea that he's really, that Jones is really working to improve in that area. And I, I, I would have to believe the fumbles change. I, I got to be honest with you, Mike, the pocket awareness bothers me more than the fumbles. And you might say I'm crazy. You know, pocket awareness, maybe you're just eating the ball on a sack. Um, you know, fumbles, you know, you might be, you know, that might obviously might be a turnover. But in terms of the correctable stuff, the pocket awareness bothered me more last year because I thought from a feel for the game a little bit was missing there, frankly. Now, you know, that's an early judgment. I, A, could be wrong, and B, he could improve. But to me, that was more the area because I, you know, I'm going to defer to Kurt and some other folks who do believe the fumbling issue will improve. I'm hopeful. I'm a little more hopeful, though. I think the beginning of the schedule is a disaster for the Giants, an yeah. absolute disaster. But I'll tell you, well, I'm, I'm, coming at, you oh, know, I think they could go. They could go one and four and play okay, and yeah. and that and then you know how teams turn at that point. You know, then it's hard to get out of that hole. Uh, I'm, everybody I've talked to around the league thinks the Giants are going to be bad. I mean, I haven't really? talked to I haven't talked to one person who thinks they're going to be good. I have everybody thinks nope. Wow. That roster's not there. Defense isn't there. Look at that early schedule, Mike. How many games are going to win in the first five? I said, hey, if they went two and three, I think they should do a dance. I right. mean, look, they're going to be fa- they're going to be underdog in all five games. The yeah. first five games they play, uh, and they're going to play Roethlisberger right out of the box. I mean, uh, so. Um, they that schedule is brutal. It's absolutely yeah. brutal, and I mean they need to have some defensive guys appear from somewhere. I mean they you know they, listen they have a great running back. We know that mm-hmm. they hopefully have an offensive line that's better. Uh, the quarterback they don't have the great wide receivers. They're okay. I mean the tight end he needs to play. We know if he's going to you know get the job done. Yep. Yes, but I mean he would be a big plus. But defensively, they don't have a lot of game breaking players. They really don't. I mean, or anybody who scares you. Here's what has concerned me, and I'm going to keep harping on it about the Giants' defense, Mike. Since Entrell Roll walked out of that building after the 2014 season, they have not had a leader. And when I talk about a leader, that means a guy who can not only play but lead. You, you know, it's hard. Yeah, to, absolutely. It's hard to lead when you're, you know, when you're, a, you know, a borderline player. No, you have to be a good and player. I think we forget, and some of us convene, not you, but some others conveniently forget. You know, Jerry Grease gave Entrell Roll that contract in free agency. It was five years, like upper thirties million at the time, the biggest contract for a safety. He played. Every year of the contract, Mike, and got every penny. They never asked him for a pay cut. At one point, I asked why, because his game had deteriorated toward the end. And the answer was, you can't cut the pay of certain veterans and ask them to still hold the same clout in the locker room. That's a good point. Every penny of of the money, the Giants got the second of their two most recent Super Bowls with roll on the field, and he was a big player, you know, in that team. And they asked him to play out of position a lot, too. They did, and he he did what they needed. Now, sometimes he didn't love it, but he did what they needed. But, Mike, he ran that locker room. He did, you know, he just did. And I still talk to him to this day. Um, and we talk about some of this stuff. I don't hammer him with it, you know, all the time, obviously. But they haven't had a leader since then. And their most dynamic player, 
um, I think arguably, but, but I could make the argument, was Jason Pierre-Paul, who they couldn't wait to trade to get the salary dump uh, for a third-round pick that became B.J. Hill. I mean, if those are the decisions that you want to make and want to live with, you have to acknowledge you are going to lose a dynamic player, a player who can dominate. JPP has fallen off a little bit, Mike, but he is still a representative no. rusher in this league for the Yes, Bucks. he is. And they yes, re-signed him. And they re-signed him. But you, you, are, you have to acknowledge what you are giving up when those kinds of guys leave the building. Jason wasn't the leader on Trell was, but they have not found leadership on the defensive side since then. That's All tough. Right. It's tough in this league. You, you and I could spend 20 minutes, we won't, I'm sure, but we could spend 20 minutes talking about great defensive leaders in this league from you know, the current NFL through the last like 10 years. Oh, no question. You know, we would just do it because that, they're that important to a football team. Enormous. And you need that. And you also need to know where you pass. You have to have a place yeah. where you know the pass rush can come from. And they don't have that. And, and that is a huge problem. The other problem is they got dealt a schedule that I think is a killer. Because what I look at it is I always think if you can get a, a head start on a season – you can be two or three games better than you're supposed to be, and you conversely can be two or three games worse than you're supposed to be if you get in a hole. Because the NFL's bad to play out of a hole because guys quit and they don't want to play injured and then they give up. And this Pitt, which is a tough game, but a, a game they could win. After that, at Chicago, you figure the Bears could have a different quarterback and you know right. they're going to be good defensively. Mm-hmm. And then you have San Francisco which is in a different world, the Rams on the road and then the Cowboys on the road, I think that could be – they could play one and four and be – they could play well and be one and four. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough start for a team hoping to find something. Boy, that's a tough start for this team. I think it, it, the schedule is brutal for them, really brutal. How about, Mike, the 49ers go out – and add Javon Kinlaw, who, A, is a great story, and I know that alone doesn't, doesn't pave his way, but an incredibly athletic and still raw talent out of South Carolina to that defensive line yep. that is already, like, eating helmets at lunchtime. I mean, that is going to be a ridiculous front. I, would, it, I mean, they is. couldn't pay everybody. They had to let a guy leave. They, they let yeah. Brooklyn leave, and, and they but knew they, they gave up a good player. Right Right, and boom, they replace him in two seconds. And, and to, uh, the, hey, they are very smart at what yeah. they do. They are very smart, and, and, and their lines, what they show you is they built the infrastructure of that team mm-hmm. so strong. That infrastructure of that team is so good, it's scary. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how good their lines are. Mike, there are teams at this, in this league that you sometimes think are just operating at a higher level. Yeah, they are. I would put the 49ers in that group at this point. Certainly the Ravens, in my opinion. Yep. I know they don't go to the Super Bowl every year. I understand that. Yeah, but they're year. a good team. But, but they're a good they team. good in the way they build and the way when they took Lamar, Mike, first of all, they were incredibly excited he was there, so they jumped back up to get him. And remember, they took a tight end before him in the first round. So you, you, give them, you, know, you certainly give them credit for being aggressive, but they first filled a need with the tight end earlier in that round. So, you know, there's probably a tiny bit of luck there that he was still around, but they take Lamar's there, they go get him. But more than that, Mike, they made a decision then and there. He's our guy, and we are going to build around him. We are going to ask him to do what he does best and surround him with players who can best help. I love organizations that have that kind of foresight, 
you know, because we've seen some of the opposite stuff, and it, and it doesn't work. We've seen we, maybe not a talent like Lamar because he's ridiculous, as I think we all recognize, but we've all seen players who should have had better careers where it just didn't work out. You know, the players around them, them doing their job, you know, it just doesn't work out, and it's a shame. With Lamar, they're giving him every opportunity for it to work, and I love that. Yeah, you know what? They're just really smart, and and even the way they draft this year, they don't go in there right. and when and when they see, wait a second, you're going to tell me that Dobbins is on the board, and I, there's a guy that I wanted as a first rounder. I got him as a first round player. I cannot believe he's slipping past all these teams, and then who takes him? A team that says, wait, we got players, but we're not passing up on this guy, and now this guy will turn out to be a ten year star for this for this team. I mean, I mean that guy. He no way should he have been taken there, but they're not going to let him go past them. That's where they're a smart team. I mean, they're just going to say, hey, this is a football player. We're not passing up on. I'm sorry, that's all there is to it. I mean, that, that, was, that was ridiculous. I understand that people runs get uh, running backs sometimes have to wait, and That's and some team, yep. but he was too good to pass up. He yep. was too good a player. I mean, if you yep. watch them play in big games, the guy was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable, Mike. We started this conversation. You talking about my alma mater, Penn yep. State. Um, the Giants drafted Cam Brown, a linebacker, I think sixth round out of Penn State, and he was asked on the Zoom call. Uh, you know, who's the toughest player you ever played against? You know, and those are the kind of, te- of questions, by the way, yes. the media question. But those are the kinds of questions NFL people ask these players all the time. You know, when they interview a player, when they have a visit with a player, it's just not to learn about that player. They pick their brain on those kinds of topics as well. Well, anyway, on the Zoom call, Cam Brown says, J.K. Dobbins. And it did not surprise me one second. No. I mean, listen, if you watched him in big games, the guy was getting seven, eight yards of carry. Amazing. He's an amazing running back. And like you eloquently said, and I will not eloquently say, he did pay the price for sort of the running back stereotype. Yeah, it happens. my mind about that. It does happen. I mean, that's why the kid in Minnesota got taken 40th. I thought he was a top 10 player. He got taken, you know, it happens. I mean, yeah, I mean, it does happen year after year. We're talking with uh, Kim about everything. So, um from a standpoint of where football is right now, are you yep. comfortable with where the NFL is and how they're doing things? Do you think they'll? Do you think like they'll have regular training camp? Yeah, I mean, I know it's hard to tell right now, but do you like what the NFL how they've handled things? You know, and, and listen, I know I work at NFL Network, so I understand. You know, the person saying, "Well, what's she going to say?" I, 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 I would just want to be honest about that. I do understand that. I will say this about the NFL's off season. I thought they made the right call at every turn, Mike. And well, they hit a home run with the draft. They hit a home run. Yes. You know, who didn't want them to do free agency. I was actually down at NFL Films doing a week of shows during NFL free agency. That was when things were really heating up with the virus and everything. Um, then we shut down for a little while, but I thought it was okay to be there. I'm glad I was there. Uh, I thought we did some good shows. And then there were people calling for the draft to be pushed back. Again, I understand it. I don't think they were correct, and I think they turned out to be not correct. Um, I loved this draft, by the way, the way it was done. Oh, it was done great. They did a, it was a home run for the yeah. NFL, no question. Yeah. I think so far, you know, uh, they've really made every right decision. I think they'll make the right decision about training camp. I, I hope that means on time. I hope the conditions allow for it to be on time. But, you know, I think they also were clever with the way they did the schedule. They allowed themselves some ins with bye weeks and that sort of thing where they can, you know, jump in a little later if they have to or, yep. you know, take away a couple weeks if they would have to or just go longer. So, you know, I would like to think everything works out very well, and I would very much like to think we have football and training camp on time. But, 
you know, I'm sure that's the, partly the optimist in me. Yeah, who, so. who knows? And one last one, the yeah. Rooney Rule. Do you think the new Rooney Rule makes a difference? I hope so. Um, I do believe, and I have believed for a long time, that the idea that assistant coaches aren't always available is not, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, now, do they have to be available, you know, every day or every week? Of course not. But um, I think assistant coaches in general should be available more often. Coordinators have to be. But the You know, that's a great don't. point. You know, one of the things is they're yeah. saying they want to tell network announcers, you're allowed to mention the names of the other assistants. Yeah. Well, then, you know what? Tell head coaches that they can allow to make their assistant coaches yeah. available to the media. Right. That will right. make them public well, figures. Well, and why not bring an assistant coach or two to those production meetings, Mike? Yes. I've only been a part of a couple of those kinds of production meetings in my life, but they're a pretty freewheeling deal where, you know, you can, you could, you could have time to ask a, you know, another absolutely. person in the room a handful of questions or three questions or something just to get his perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that, that I do think that, you know, there's that responsibility and, and I do candidly think there's ownership responsibility here. You, you know, the idea that you're quote unquote comfortable with a hire well, you know, that's good, and you should be comfortable with the hire, but are you making sure you're comfortable with a broad spectrum of candidates who have a chance to be that hire? And that's what I would ask for, and that's what I would like to see. All right, I agree with you. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, have, a, have a safe uh, weekend. Thank you. You too, Mike. Take care. Okay, Kim Jones back after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 